And Father, we celebrate all the other fathers that are present in this room. If they're here today, they're good fathers. And so we salute them today for their tireless effort, everything that they put into sticking with and raising their families. And so, Father, I believe that your word is anointed. I believe I'm anointed to deliver your word, and I believe that they're anointed to receive your word. And so burdens will be removed today and yokes will be destroyed because of the anointing that's present with us today. And so we'll give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise for all the good that will come out of this service. In Jesus' name, everyone that agrees with that prayer, shout it. Amen. Amen. If you would, just love on someone and just tell them, God bless you. So good to see you. Shake their hand. Give them a pound. Whatever you need to do. Then you can be seated. We will have all the fathers stand up at the end of service today and acknowledge them. If you will, turn in your Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 22. If you understand the history of mankind, God has always looked for good men. And when it was time to start this planet, he started with one good man. The spirits, Adam and Eve, spirits were created on the same day. But we know Adam came first and then Eve shortly followed. When Adam fell... The scripture tells us that the second Adam, who was Jesus, was a better version of the first. The second man, Adam, again, was one man. When God wanted to change the world, he decided that he only needed one man to do it. He started with one, and then he sent one to fix up what the first one messed up. And God has not changed today. One man can take a stand and really do remarkable things for his family, his community, and every part of the world in which he lives in. If you'll turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 22, came across this last night and it just jumped out at me. Obviously, we don't start at verse 30. And so the backdrop is God has dealt with the prophet Ezekiel to prophesy to the children of Israel in the land of Jerusalem because their sins had come up to him and he was fed up. He was tired. Like any good parent, I mean, we're only going to tell you so many times and then we're taking action after so much time. And God sends the prophet Ezekiel to prophesy to this particular group of people because they had really gotten off. And if you read any of those verses prior to that, they had gotten into all kind of lewdness, the shedding of innocent blood, the committing of adultery, uh, the usury and oppression of the strangers and the poor, the mistreatment of the fatherless. And we can go on and on and on. God dealt with the leaders because of the corruption that had uh, really gotten within the leadership and the priests. And God sends the prophet Ezekiel to prophesy to him. And notice what he says here in verse 30. Uh, Verse 30 says here, So I sought for a man among them who would make up a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it. Watch this very carefully but I found none. And so this is consistent with the character of God throughout Scripture. You all might recall the conversation that he had with Abraham over the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham stood in the gap for Sodom and Gomorrah, and Abraham was a man that was willing to take a stand for something. My grandmother always told me, if you don't stand for something, then you'll fall for anything. 
So Abraham was willing to stand in the gap and go to God on behalf of the people and say, God, if I find 50 righteous people here, will you spare the land? Because of the friendship and relationship that God and Abraham had, God said, I'll spare the land for 50. They went and they couldn't find 50, and you all know the story. That number dwindled all the way down to one. Abraham said, God, if I can find one righteous man, will you spare the land? And God said, for you, Abraham, because you were willing to stand in the gap, I'll spare the entire land if we can find one righteous man. Well, you all know the story. They couldn't find none then. They couldn't find none during Ezekiel's time. And reality is, folks, we're living in a time and a a season and a period of mankind and life where it's becoming increasingly more and more difficult to find good men. So the title of my message today is God is looking for a few good men. Let me also say this. I thank God that at Linked Up Church, we don't have just a few good men. We have a bunch of good men right here at Linked Up Church. Come on, ladies, you all can do better than that. Thank God for these men. I was privileged to enjoy a day yesterday with my son and the other men, over 90 men, roughly around 90 men or so, and we were all at the Andretti's Indoor Carding and Games, and it was such a refreshing, wonderful experience. There were men there who were just there to be mentors. These weren't their children, but they brought children of single parents to just be an example and a role model to them, and we just had a great time. And it just reminded me, and I literally sat there humble. And I was thankful that at Linked Up Church, we have some good men. So one more time, can we give the good men of Linked Up Church a big round of applause? And so there are prerequisites for being a good father. Being a man, functioning as a man, taking responsibility as a man, thinking like a man, acting like a man, working like a man, All of these are prerequisites to being a good father. You cannot be a good father without first being a good man. And so being a good man is what qualifies us for being a good father. We know, again, in our society today, it is a dying art to literally see an abundance of good men. And at Linked Up Church, we're taking on the assignment of not settling but actually taking, we'll take this on head on because I believe men don't want to be bad. They don't have enough good examples in their life to compare the bad that they see too. So I believe if we can get mentorship programs going and all the other things, I think people want to do good if there's some kind of system in place that helps them do good and support them. And so before I get into the message today, I put something together to kind of help the ladies in here understand fathers and understand men. And I'm calling it the men's thesaurus. And you can just listen. You don't have to write these things down. I'm not saying this is absolute and represents all men, but it probably represents about 99% of us. Ladies, if you don't know this by now, men don't always say what they mean. And so I want you to allow me for a moment to translate things that happen in our lives where you didn't get it the way we actually tried to deliver it. Are you ready? 
ladies, you know from time to time, you ask us a question because what you really want to know are the details in the answer. Most of the time, all we have is one-word answers. So allow me a moment to explain to you. Whenever you ask a man a question and his response is, it would take me too long to try to explain that to you, let me translate that to you. What he's actually saying is, I really don't know how this works myself. I don't have the answer to it. When you've been working hard around the house, you know, we're sitting down watching sports, especially on Sunday. You're up vacuuming and cleaning and doing all the work around the house. When we stand up and we say, take a break, honey, you're working too hard. It's not because we want to help. Let me translate. It means we can't hear the game and focus on what we're trying to watch with all that noise going on in the house. Am I preaching real good right now? Ladies, you know how you can talk about one thing for a long time, and you'll take seven to eight different ways to communicate the same point in an effort to try to get us to understand. When you get this response from us, that's interesting, dear. I really didn't know that. Let me translate that for you. Are you still talking about the same thing? Help me out, man. We do things that you will never understand. So don't even try to understand it. It's just what we do. And so, anytime you're asking us a question, trying to understand why we did something the way we did it, listen to this. And our response is, it's a guy thing, you wouldn't understand it. Let me translate that for you. We really mean there is no rational thought pattern connected to what I'm doing right now. And you have no chance at all of making logical sense out of what you see me doing right now. That's all that means. When we come home from work or from wherever we've been, Pay attention to this. This is a clue. And we sit at the table, and we sit there for a while, and we engage in conversation, and we ask this question. And we say, honey, can I help you with dinner? <laughs> it's not because we literally want to get up and help. What we're asking is, why isn't dinner ready yet? <laughs> oh, I... Oh, we hit home right there on one. That's what we're asking. Where is dinner 
And why isn't it ready yet? Not like we're getting ready to really get up and help. My wife was standing up just amening on several of these in the first service. You know, again, how you all have been talking to us for a while, and you know, you're here, and we're looking straight off into space, and you're just going and going and going. And then finally, we turn to you and we say, uh huh. Sure, honey. Yes, dear. I got it. Let me translate that for you. He means absolutely nothing. It is a conditioned response on our behalf to try to get you to stop talking. Just trying to help you understand us. My wife stood up in hallelujah on this one. We literally believe, listen to me, ladies, we literally believe you know where everything is at in the house. We, we literally believe that. So we're not trying to be lazy. We literally believe you know where everything is at. So when we say, Bay, have you seen my keys? You give us this response. They're in the drawer. At the, in the kitchen, the first drawer to the right. Let me translate this for you. Only thing you're going to get from us, we're going to open the drawer and look. We're not moving anything. We're going to look, and if we don't see the keys, we are yelling back, Bay, I thought you said the keys were in the drawer. You've got to get up, come all the way to the kitchen, just move one envelope out of the way. And say, I told you the keys were right here. That's just the way that works. If you want more, then say the keys are in the drawer under the envelope that is in the drawer. All we're going to do is open and look and yell, bay. Oh, I'm preaching better than you all saying amen out there. Got a lot of scared husbands out here. They just won't move. They won't say nothing. You know this is the truth. Man, can I say this one right here? You know how you've been telling a man the same thing over and over again? Clean this up. Do this. Clean this up. Do this. And he hasn't moved yet? (laughs) When he gives you this response, I heard you. Let me translate that for you. What he's really saying is, I haven't the foggiest clue of what you just said, and I'm just sitting here hoping desperately that I can figure it out before you ask me again. (laughs) This was one of my favorites. Ladies, we don't mind going shopping with you. We don't mind. But here's the reality. I've been married, it'll be 22 years this year. This is consistent every time we go. She goes in the first door. She loves the outfit in the first door. She hides it somewhere on a rack. <laughs> we got to walk all the way around the entire mall, try on all these outfits. All I do is go in 
and ask the sales lady, where's the husband's chair? Where can I sit down? That's all I do. <laughs> Only for us to go back to the first store and buy the first outfit that you tried on the first time. Let me say something. Let me be real clear here. When you go in and you try the outfit on and you don't like it on yourself and you already know we don't like it, do not come outside <laughs> and say, honey, how do you like this outfit? When we give you this generic response, you look terrific and it looks terrific on you. Let me translate that for you. I'm tired. I'm hungry. Just pick one of these outfits and let's get out of here. Listen to this. When a man says, I don't remember saying that, it's really because he doesn't remember saying that. He is not lying to you. You're thinking, you're lying. You know you said that. He does not remember saying that to you. Men are like Snapchat. That conversation goes away in 10 seconds. So, so if you don't get everything you want accomplished in that conversation, while it's happening, it's over once it disappears. So you've got to understand with us, anything we said six months ago is inadmissible in an argument today. Matter of fact, I wrote this down. All comments made after seven days should be null and void. Come on, fellas, help me out. I feel like I... Because, you know, they'll go back to December 25th, 1997, I remember it exactly. We were standing in the kitchen, and I remember the, the light coming through the curtain, and I, I can remember I left the refrigerator door open, and I remember you had on your blue jeans and that, that, that brown coat that I couldn't stand that you used to wear. That's how detailed you all will be. We're not lying to you. We don't remember that. Can I give you two more? We say things, we mean it one way, you hear it another way. You could help us if you follow this rule right here. Listen to me, you could help us. Something we said can be interpreted two ways, then the way that made you feel sad and angry was not the way we meant it. Come on, fellas. Stop being scared. You ought to stand up on your feet on that one right there. Am I preaching real good? We want you to build into that conversation that the way that you heard it that hurt you and made you sad was not the one that we wanted you to take away from. We literally meant the other one. 
Listen to me, ladies. You're getting ready to mess this up. Sincerely, we really meant the other one. Why do you take the time to park on the one that made you sad and angry when we turn around and say to you, that is not the way we meant that. You could help us. Look at the lady sitting out there like, that's too much work for me. I'm not going through all of that. Can I give you one more? I just did this on vacation, so I am the poster child for this one right here. When a man says to you, listen to me, ladies, pay attention. Listen, Kim, listen. All ladies in here, listen. When a man says, I am not lost, I know exactly where we are. That should be a red flag to you that we are lost and we have no clue where we are at. Let me translate that for you. What he's really saying is, I will be as surprised as you are if we actually make it there. Come on, let's give God a big round. Give him a big, big, big hand. Good practical information. Let me go through these very quickly today. I believe God is looking for a few good men that have learned how to trust him. Go with me to Proverbs chapter 3. We're going to get you out of here quickly so you can get to your families and love on the people that mean the most to you in your life. Just got four quick points up on the knees, one scripture up on the knees, and we'll go through these quickly. God is looking for a few good men who have learned to trust him. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord. The word trust here means to be bold, to be sure, to put your confidence in the Lord. A real man has learned how to trust God with every aspect of his life. I have learned now to place little to no expectation on people and to put all of my trust and expectation in God because God will never, ever, never, ever, ever, never, ever let you down one time. So a real man, a good man, has learned how to trust God. It says, trust in the Lord. Put your confidence in him with all your heart. Lean not. That word lean not means to not rely on your own understanding. It's so easy for us to default because as men, we always think we know what we're doing. I, I've got this. I don't need help. I'm good. While we're steady messing it up further and further, we're still saying, I'm good. I've got this. We've got to learn to not solely rely on our education, our work experience, our life experience. We must go to a higher wisdom and a higher authority and say, I thank God for what I've learned, but I'm putting all my trust and confidence and I'm relying solely on you, God, to help me through this situation. A real man has learned how to do that. Real fathers have learned how to do that. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct. That word direct means to straighten your path. And so if you see your life getting off course, if you see your life heading in the wrong direction, then go back and acknowledge the fact that, hey, I've messed up. 
I made a mistake. I've been relying on my own understanding. I've been trying to do things my way. But Father God, I'm coming back to you today to help me get back on the straight path. I mean, oh, he'll be right there to straighten your situation out and get you back headed in the direction that you need to go in if you'll acknowledge him in all of your ways and let him straighten you. He'll straighten out your marriage. He'll straighten out your children. He'll straighten out your finances. Come on, somebody. Don't leave me out here. By He will straighten out every aspect of your life if you'll learn how to acknowledge him in all of your ways. Four areas I want you to concentrate on when we're talking about really learning how to trust God. You've got to learn how to trust God. God is looking for a few good men who will trust him for their salvation. Go to Ephesians chapter 2, and I'll explain to you what I mean. When we hear salvation, what he's talking about here is deliverance. It's a Greek word, sozo, and it's talking about your wholeness, your soundness, your well-being. God is saying, learn how to trust me to deliver you in every aspect of your life. In Ephesians chapter 2, 8, 9, this has really become the hallmark of, of my belief system uh, these last, really, two years of my life, year and a half of my life. It says, for by grace are you saved. A lot of times we think it's by faith we're saved, but it's by grace we're saved. And grace is unearned. Grace is undeserved. Grace is unmerited. Grace is God's graciousness, his kindness. These are things that God has done for us that there's nothing we could ever do to deserve. It's just because God is good, not because we're good. It's because He's good. And it says, you are, uh, for by grace are you saved or sozo. You're delivered and you're preserved. But then notice, through faith. And so we've got to get to a place where we realize that everything that we have that's good, it came came from God and it's because God is good. And the reason that we have it is because we learned how to respond by faith to what we believe he's already provided for us. Folks, we're not trying to get God to bless us. We are already blessed. And the, and the sooner you respond to that by saying, Father, I thank you that you have blessed me. You've blessed my marriage. You've blessed my finances. You'll begin to see things line up with what you know he's already done for you. That is how faith responds to what grace has already provided. When you make it about you and what you've done, then you've removed grace from the puzzle. And you're saying that your grit and your education and your efforts have provided what it is that you have in your life. But grace always says, my education came through the grace of God. The job opportunity that I have came through the grace of God. The home that I live in came through the grace of God. You'll get to a place, God is looking for a few good men that will understand that everything that they have that's good came from him and it's because you responded to what he's already done that you walk in the goodness of what he's already provided for you. For by grace are you saved through faith and that is not of yourselves. He reiterates that it is a gift from God. Then he reemphasizes again, not of works lest any man should boast. And so I've gotten to a place where if I get credit for it, then I probably did it. But man, let me tell you something. When I can't take any credit for it, then I know it was God that did it for me. Hallelujah. Glory to God. God is looking for a few good men who've learned how to trust him with their salvation. We as men are bad about trying to be in control of everything. We want to make things happen, and thank God for that. Often I've learned that ladies find it 
easier to rest in the Lord, to give themselves to the Lord. They find it easier to do that, to give themselves to someone else. And it's because they're wired that way. Men, we aren't wired that way. And so what we have to do is develop a greater relationship with the Father and almost go back to a childlike kind of faith where everything that we do totally relies on and depends on God's ability to help us get through it. When you operate in that kind of humility, how many know God's going to then give you more grace to get you where it is that you're trying to go? And let's get out of these attitudes that I've got it, I can do everything. The reality is I couldn't have accomplished anything that Linked Up Church has done without George, Carol, Deanna, Joe, Al, uh, Vinny, and all of these wonderful volunteers and, and helps people and people down in children's church that you cannot see right now. The reality is none of this could have been done without the expertise that Emmanuel and Kim, Tamika, all these musicians, it takes a collective effort on all of our parts just to do what we do every single Sunday morning. And I would be a fool to think that I'm doing this on my own. No, it is the grace of God and the goodness of God that has brought us to the place that we are at today. And God is looking for a few good men that understand that. Number two, God is looking for a few good men that will really trust him for strength, okay? How many of y'all know it's going to take effort to complete your assignment on this earth? If you have set a goal to remain married to the same person your entire life, it will take strength and it will take effort to reach that goal. Thank God for 22 years, but I want to still be standing at 60 years saying this is the only woman that I've known for the last 60 years of my married life. I've never cheated on her. I've raised my children. I mean, it's going to require strength to get to the end of your journey and be a great finisher. A lot of men are great starters, but a lot of men are not great finishers. And God has called us to finish everything that we've started. I watched the OJ thing on last night. I've been out of town, so I hadn't had a chance to see it. How many know OJ started strong? He started off as a good athlete. He was educated. He was bright. He was smart. He got married. He had children. He started off as a good husband, started off as a good father. But how many know he didn't end up that way? He started strong, but he didn't finish strong. God wants us to be finishers. He wants us to be like Paul so that when we get at the end of our course, we're able to stand before the people that we love the most and we're able to say, I finished my course. I have kept the faith. There's now a crown laid up for me. Glory to God. We want to be good finishers. We want to be like Jesus. When Jesus was on that cross, he was able to look at everyone and look up to heaven and say, it is finished. Man, God is calling for us to be strong and to finish everything that we've started. Finish our marriages. Finish raising our children. Finish our careers. Finish life strong. And you're going to need his strength to do that. Go with me very quickly to which one do I want to use? Go to Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. And let's read verse 30 and 31. Notice it says, even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait. Now, that word wait there does not mean sit around and do nothing. The literal Hebrew, literal Hebrew word here means, listen to this, to bind together by twisting, to expect, listen to this, 
and then to expect together. This is someone that gets so wrapped up and tangled up in God, so connected to God that nothing can come in between the two of them. When you do that, there's an exchange that takes place. You exchange your weakness for his strength. You exchange your poverty for his riches. You you exchange your can't do for his want to. And there's a great exchange that takes place every time we stay tied up and tangled up and wrapped up in him. Every day you get up in prayer, every day you get up and spend time in the word of God, you're reconnecting to your life source and your true source of strength. Notice what it goes on to say here. They shall renew their strength. You don't need something renewed unless you lost it. You know, if you have a membership to a gym, you're still a member. But if you haven't paid those dues, you have no privileges, even though you still have your card. You don't regain your privileges until you renew your membership. Then you go back in and use all of the equipment the way you always have. Let me explain something to you folks. Your membership is only good for today. What do you mean by that, Pastor? My prayer life will get me no victory. Listen to this. What I do today doesn't get me much victory for tomorrow. How I many you know I've got to get up tomorrow and renew again and exchange again and be strong again for that day? And I've learned that if you take it one day at a time and you get up and you energize yourself and you exchange his strength for your weakness, I know you're now ready to deal with everything that you have to deal with on that day. Yesterday is gone. Tomorrow has not gotten here yet. I mean, we need to be strong today to get through everything that life will throw at us today. And God says that when you stay tangled up with me, then I'll renew that strength on a daily basis. And then notice what will happen. You'll mount up with wings as eagles. You'll run and not go weary. And I love this. You'll walk and you will not faint. You know what that word faint there means? Quit. You will not quit. I've been a coach for a lot of years of my life. One thing I never liked was a quitter. One thing I tell my children, I am not raising quitters. If you sign up, you must show up. If you show up, then you must finish what it is that you started. But we do not quit. God is not raising quitters. We are not quitters. We start whatever or we finish whatever it is that we start. And I'm thanking God right now that at Linked Up Church, we are raising up an army of finishers who finish the course that God has laid out before them. They finish in their marriage. Listen to me. Look me in my eye. Divorce is not an option. Don't bring it up around me. Don't bring it up in my house. You cannot talk about it. We are in this till the end, regardless of what life may throw at us. With God on our side, there's nothing that man can do against us. You must take a stand and fight for what it is that you believe in and set a goal in your life to finish what you started. Number three, God is looking for a few good men who've learned to trust him for their supply. What do I mean by that? Go with me to Philippians chapter four. You have to get to a place where if God doesn't give it to you, you don't want it. You don't want gain 
by any means necessary. If it doesn't come the right way, then you don't, you shouldn't want it. Let me give you a synopsis to save time in Philippians chapter 4. Paul on his missionary journey, his way to Macedonia, Scripture says that Epaphroditus had picked up a, a gift for him. He was bringing that gift to him on a long journey, if you study that out. Paul said, no church had partnered with me concerning giving and receiving in Thessalonica, but you only. Notice he said two things there. I want to point this out to you. He said giving and receiving. A smart man knows that with the character of God, there's no way for you to give and not receive, or God would not be God. So he said, no church partnered with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. I'm full having all, having received of Epaphroditus the gifts that were sent unto me. Call him an odor, a sacrifice of a sweet smell. And notice what Paul was able to say with great confidence here in verse 19. Philippians chapter 4. And you'll get to this place. He said, but my God. I mean, something about when you know he's your God. Let me try this side of the room. I said, how many of y'all know it's something about when you know he's your God. I'm not talking about the God that T.D. Jakes preached about. I'm not talking about the God that Rod Parsley preached about. I'm not talking about the God that... I'm talking about my God. Come on, somebody. Something about when you know that he's your God. Look at what he said. I know my God shall supply. Not some. How much? All. all of your needs. Not some of them, but all of them. God is looking for a few good men that have learned to trust him for their supply. I've been saved 27 years, and I've never missed times in 27 years. And God has never let me down in 27 years. And I'm at a place now where it's if God didn't give it to me, I don't want it. You all wouldn't have a clue of how much stuff we've been offered since we've been pastor in this church. Last year, at the end of a night of freedom, a guy walks up to me, hands me his card. He's in business and finance, uh, some kind of broker, invites me to come down to his office. He puts together this big pre presentation. I didn't go. He wants to come to my office. I won't meet with him. Because, Pastor, I can help you pay cash for your building within six months. Here was, this was the reality for me. I don't know you. Amen. You got to learn how to look a gift horse in the mouth. There are people that have offered my wife and I executive homes for free. I'd be lying to you if I didn't say my flesh in one occasion when I saw the house, wanted to take that house. I wanted to receive that. Something in here said it wasn't time. There's a time to receive gifts, and there's a time to not receive gifts. And we looked the couple back in the eye, and we said, no, it's not time for that. And I'm getting to a place where, folks, if my giving cannot get the job done for me, and it has to come some other way, then I don't want it. God is looking for a few good men who learn how to trust him and not themselves for their supply. 
when you can't give him 10 cents on a dollar, what you're saying is, I'm smarter with my money than you are. I can do more, God, with this than you can. God is looking for a few good men that have learned how to trust him for their supply. And he'll never let you down. The time that sticks out to me, I'm crying like a baby, and I can admit that I cry. Crying like a baby, Jerome. I'm over in a restaurant in Gwinnett County, and I've just been told that a letter, I received a phone call, that a letter come to the house, and we no longer receive income. And I can remember putting my hands in my face, crying, because I want to take care of my wife and children. And reality is I don't know how right now. So I opened up my iPad, go into my bank account, look at everything, and I mapped out how long we could live with no money coming in. Then it dawned on me, you know what? God loves my wife and kids more than I do. And I took my hands off my face, and I can remember saying vividly, God, I trust you to make sure that my family doesn't lose anything. And let me tell you, two and a half years later, we have not lost nothing. If you're going to lead your family, you're going to be the man that God's calling you to be. He's looking for men that will learn how to trust him for their supply. I'll close right here. Number four. God is looking for a few good men that will trust him for reasoning and wisdom. Go with me to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. And I'll close. Thank you for 25 of your undivided minutes of attention. James chapter 1, verse 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach. So he doesn't do it grudgingly. He doesn't do it. He does it because he wants to do it. You've got to get to a place, man, where you accept that you don't know everything. When things are going wrong in your marriage, things are going wrong in your family, with your children, things are going wrong on your job, got to get to a place where you say, you know what, I don't know everything, and I need help, and I need God's wisdom, and that's okay to cry out for him, to him for help and to get wisdom. And notice what he said, I'm not just going to give you wisdom. I'm going to give it to you liberally. In other words, I'm going to give you as much as you need for your situation, and I won't take none of it back. Look what he goes on to say. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded and unstable in all of his ways. Notice it didn't say he was unstable in some of his ways. If you don't learn the art, this is wisdom, man. If you don't hear anything else, really everyone in the building, this is wisdom. If you have two spirits and two minds, you're unstable. I mean, I can't love my wife and then I'm cheating on her. I can't do both at the same time. I mean, I'm schizophrenic. And there's no way I can tell her while cheating on her that I love her. 
She's not going to believe that. Here's wisdom for everyone in this room. This is how you have one mind and one spirit about everything. You find out what God said about it. You agree with God. And you take the position that if God said it, then that settles it. Listen, listen to me. And it will make you stable. See, being the other way makes you unstable in all of your ways. Once you find out what God said about your marriage and you let that settle it, your marriage becomes stable. Once you find out what God said about your finances, listen to me, and you settle it, your finances become stable. If you're trying to raise children, find out what God said about how to raise them and let that settle it and your children will become stable. Everything in your life will stabilize as you decide to have one mind about it. And that one mind is if God said it, that settles it, end of discussion, this is the best route for me. God is looking for a few good men that will trust and lean on him for wisdom. Did you all get anything out of this today? I'm done. 20 minutes, 25 minutes. Let's all stand to our feet briefly. Let's lift our hands to the Father. And let's just thank God for the Word of God today. Even the practical portion from the men's thesaurus, whether you agreed with that or didn't agree with it, in most cases, that's who we are as men. And it'll help you deal with us better as fathers and as husbands if you understand that about us. Sincerely, we are never trying to hurt you. We just say things sometimes that we don't mean. And if you find yourself ever being hurt...